Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Lennis. We're two engineers who saw a problem. And like any good engineer, we decided to solve it. You see, two out of every five women who earn an engineering degree will leave their field by the 12-year mark of their career. That's a definite problem. We witnessed, and us ourselves were, incredibly talented women who were burning out, which is what brings us here today. We're two women with a mutual passion to help you prevent burnout. In this sophomore season, we're bringing in experts in our fields, difference makers in STEM, to help you truly transform the way you work. So we invite you to take a quick break with us and choose one small step today to prioritize your well-being through this episode. So take a deep breath and let's do it. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Take a Break, where we are joined by Erica Buxton. Erica currently serves as the CEO of Hello Bello, where she is committed to their mission of eliminating the choice many parents, like myself, have to make. I have been so thankful for Hello Bello over the years and deciding what's best for our babies and what's also best for our budget. Erica came to Hello Bello after serving as the COO of Razor USA LLC, overseeing operations and finance and heading up the Razor share scooter business. Prior to joining Razor, she was the co-founder and CEO of EQtainment, an educational media company focused on the development of social and emotional skills in children. There she led the creation of the Q Wonder multimedia platform and educational curriculum. Before becoming an entrepreneur, Erica spent over seven years working at Mattel Incorporated in a variety of strategic and financial roles. After completing her MBA at Harvard Business School, you might have heard of it, Erica advised Fortune 500 companies as a consultant at Boston Consulting Group and Deloitte Consulting as well before joining Mattel. Erica graduated magna cum laude from Rose Holman Institute of Technology in Terre Haute, which is my alma mater as well, uh, with a BS in chemical engineering. She currently resides in Manhattan Beach, California, with her husband, Rob, their three kiddos, and their golden retriever. In her free time, yes, she has some, we promise, <laughs> you can find her on the sidelines of a variety of sporting events cheering on her kids. We're so excited to have you with us today, Erica. Welcome. Thanks. It's so fun to be here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And hey, I must say, I am also a fellow chemical engineer and just seeing how diverse your career has been gets me really excited because of, of all the possibilities, right, of, of what we have. But um, we like to start this conversation with a question that our audience can identify with. And in this case, we'd like to ask you, what do you wish you could tell 22-year-old Erica about working in STEM? Yeah, I think the thing I would tell her is looking back, I remember when I was a senior at Rose and getting ready to graduate and how stressed out I was about what my career was going to be and what job I was going to choose. 
And as you just mentioned, my career path has gone all over the place since then. And I think I had no idea where a, you know, a degree in engineering could take you and what path it could be on. Um, and so I think looking back, it was more of less stress about that, but thinking longer term, like what I actually wanted to do with my life kind of long term. And so I remember sorting through job offers and, you know, I took that first job at Eli Lilly, which I loved. Um, but I had no idea that like I'd start off in a lab doing research and development, making drugs, as my parents like to say. Um, and now I'm running an entire diaper company. So it's um, it's been a crazy journey along the way. And I think it's just that mindset of like, this is just a stepping stone into a, a massive, very long term career. Um, that could take you anywhere. And so I think, you know, it's kind of telling people then like, do something that you're excited about and is going to make you happy. And it's not what you have to do for the rest of your life. So. I, I really can resonate with the, just because you're making that commitment now, doesn't mean that is forever and ever. Cause I think as seniors, we do feel that pressure that um, once we make a commitment and we choose a company kind of it, it really is written in stone and cannot be erased. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I always like to say too that no matter what job experience you have, whether it's directly rated, related to the field or not, you're learning something that ultimately is getting you closer uh, to, to what that next step is for you. That's getting you closer to something that really lights you up or is in um, alignment with how you envision your professional life uh, unfolding. Even if it, it feels like it's out of alignment at the time, it's still getting us closer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think each step along the way has also been about challenging myself and finding something that maybe I'm not good at or an area that I can develop. So it's scary sometimes, but I think, you know, every time I look at kind of taking a leap to something new, it's kind of what am I going to what new skill set am I going to add um, or what am I going to build um, to kind of build on what I've already done? So. So thinking back to 22 year old you, do you, did she have a vision of being a CEO? Uh, I don't think she did. I don't remember hundred percent. I mean, originally when I went to Rose, I thought I was going to be a doctor. So I think, you know, mm -hmm. this is um, a little bit different, but I think at that point, um, my goal is I wanted to do things that made the world a better place. So I think when I picked the job, you know, in pharma, I thought, hey, if I, especially in R&D, if I can help develop new drugs to, you know, solve new problems, like that's going to help make the world a better place. And I think as I've kind of gone along, um, that's been kind of a guiding light is what the companies I work for, like, what's the mission and purpose of them? And how does that relate to what I want to, you know, what I believe in? And so it's a big part of Hello Bello, a big part of why I'm here too. Yeah. What do you feel like in hindsight were some strategic roles or steps that you took that ultimately resulted in you getting to the C-suite? Yeah, I think the decision to go to business school is an interesting one. So when I was at Lilly, um, they were actually pushing me to get my master's degree in chemistry. And I kind of was at a fork in the road where it was, hey, like if I really want to double down and this is really what I'm really passionate about, like I should go get a master's degree in chemistry. Um, but at the time, what I, you know, step back and realized is what really got me excited was the project I was working on there, which was more around management and leadership and, you know, building processes. So I decided to start the journey of looking at applying to business school. And I think that was really a turning point in my career as far as kind of stepping a little bit away from more of the technical side of things and into more of a, a general management um, 
type career. So I think that that was a big pivot point. I learned a ton in business school. It was a great, I think, complement to my engineering degree. And the two of them together, I think, has really helped get me where I am today. I love how you said at the beginning that you went for, you know, chemical engineering with the intention to become a doctor, which then became working in pharmaceutical to going to business school to now. <laughs> it, it just shows how um, we really don't have to put ourselves in a box uh, of what we thought our future will look like. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think the real funny story is my first internship at Rose was at Procter and Gamble in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, working on the diaper lines. Mm -hmm. And now, fast forward, I just built an entire diaper manufacturing plant um, and led that process. So I think when you know your career comes full circle, it really does sometimes. But again, looking back at twenty-year-old me um, in that plant, I never would have ever dreamed I was build I'd be building my own diaper manufacturing facility. Um, I so I love that. I really do. Like, yeah, immediately as you said, I was like, oh my God, full circle. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. It's interesting. One of my favorite things to ask someone when I connect with them on LinkedIn, who is a woman in engineering, is like, what pulled you in this direction? And one of the most common answers that I get, and this was true for me as well, and you said it, is I wanted to make the world a better place. Like you. I thought I'm going to be a doctor, right? I'm going to go study biomedical engineering and I'll go and be a doctor. But in some way, I'm going to help change lives. But it, you find that like there are so many ways to make the world a better place, right? Whether it's creating new ways of working in manufacturing, new products that help take care of families better or help take care of children better, right? That there are so many ways of solving problems that help make the world a better place. And that's one of the things that I love about like that through line of women in engineering is that passion um, for making the world a better place. Yeah, I think it just comes down to solving problems. So it's kind of how do we solve problems to improve whatever it may be. So I think, yeah, that that's really what I always tell people. People say, well, how, do you use your engineering degree anymore? And I said, every day, um, every problem that comes up, like learning how to approach it as an engineer is, a unique talent. So I think, you know, I still use that degree every single day. I love that. Based, based on your journey, I'm, I'm curious about what do you think are some of the misconceptions about the path that a woman, especially in STEM, takes in that journey to the C-suite? Yeah, I think um, people think it has to be calculated a bit. Like, you know, mm. when I was at Mattel, I feel like even there, you know, I was there for seven years and I had a very you know, I was climbing the ladder, I guess you could say. And um, when I jumped off and decided to become employee number one and help co-found this, you know, educational um, tech company, that was um, one terrifying. Um, but two, like, you know, at first I was like, am I totally derailing everything I've worked for for the past seven years? And it's one of those risks where it was like, well, you know, let's try it and see what happens. And I learned so much doing that. Um, you know, again, looking back, who would have ever thought a chemical engineer would be leading a company that's building social emotional skills in kids? Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was so fun because I always joked with people. I said, "Look, work with engineers, and you know why social social emotional skills are so important." Um, but uh, it was, um, it's you know, it, 
when you look at your career path and you look at steps like that, like, I don't know that any of it was technically planned per se, but it was just at that point, it just felt like the right thing to do back to kind of what can I do to help improve the world? Like those skills are so critical in kids and building them early on sets you up for success. Like, honestly, when you look at correlations like patience and problem solving and all of that is really um, highly, highly correlated to life success. And so um, it was a true passion of mine and something that was you know, really fun to be a part of. But, um, you know, did I think it was going to make me CEO of a big company later on? No, <laughs> I don't. I didn't really know where it was going to take me. But, um, yeah, it's just one more step on the way and learned a ton there and then was able to kind of build off of that. Yeah, I think um, it, many people who will be watching this episode will just be fangirling right at the the. <laughs> Um, the representation of a woman from an engineering background as a, a CEO of being in the C-suite, because it still is rare, right? It, it, we're still, um, as a, a gender, underrepresented in those rooms and at those tables. And uh, so in your experience, both being in the C-suite and not being in the C-suite, uh, how do you feel that the workplace has to evolve? so that there is more representation and so that there uh, are more seats at the table that are filled by by women. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it is setting an example for people that are already there. So I think one of the things I've tried to do throughout my career is really set new um, ways of doing things. So whether it be at Mattel, I took six months maternity leave with my first kid, which was like unheard of um, across the board. And people are like, well, do you think, you know, you could get fired. And I was like, well, you know, if they want to fire me, fine. But I actually am confident enough that like, it'll be fine. And so I took six months off with my first five months with my second and four months with my third. Um, and my career path, actually, I came back from that first maternity leave and got this second double promotion in Mattel history. Um, so I, I think, but also I set a new standard for women at Mattel to feel comfortable asking to take more than at that time, six weeks, which is crazy. Luckily that's gotten better. Um, but I think what it also allowed me to do was come back and just really jump right back in. I was ready, like fully ready to come back, um, to work versus I feel like we rush new moms back so quickly, um, a lot of the time. So I think, you know, that's one example. I remember sitting in, you know, the boardroom, um, it was 15th floor of Mattel, which was the top floor. Um, where all the C-suite was and in meetings. And it was me and a whole table of men. And Mattel had a daycare and the daycare closed at seven, which is actually pretty late for daycares. But um, I would always be the one at 6.30, raise my hand, say, sorry, I got to go. The daycare's closing. I got to get my kid. Now, I did actually bring my kids occasionally up to the boardroom <laughs> and join me in those meetings. But again, it like, you know, it was terrifying at first to have to tell the CEO of this Fortune 500 company that, hey, I got to go get my kid. Um, when everybody else in that room was not responsible for childcare. Um, and, but at the end of the day, again, like I was paving the road for women kind of to follow me to be comfortable in doing that. And honestly, no one blinked an eye afterwards. Like, but it, it just takes, I think, you know, somebody to help pave that road to make it normal and accepted for kind of everybody following you. Yeah. That's uh, so important that, that visual, that, we can have of doing things differently. It, you made me think of something that we saw last week, Lennis and I attended um, the We22 National Conference in, in Houston. By the time this episode air, airs, it'll be a couple of weeks in, in the past. But at the career fair there was a husband-wife duo 
who were recruiting for their organization. And um, they were both, they took turns wearing their infant uh, as they were recruiting. And I just think about like what a, an impactful visual that was for anyone who was there as a young professional, as a college student, as maybe being on the verge of like entering parenthood to see not only a, a female parent, but also a male parent doing both at the same time, right? Because, you know, I think it's important that both, both are represented so that women have the opportunity to be um, equal in the workplace. And so that was such a cool moment of like, applause to those two individuals and applause to the organization for saying yes thumbs up go recruit with your with your infant <laughs> that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i love everything that we're talking and we're kind of um shifting now into our section which is the burning question and you've kind of hint to the answer of this question but um erica will really love to know why do you feel it's important for leaders to model wellness and well-being in the workplace? Yeah, I think, you know, especially nowadays when a lot of us are working from home that like we all are like the, the line between work and personal life is very blurred. And I know for myself, that's 100 percent true. Yeah. And so I think it's more important than ever for leaders to tell you know our teams it's OK. Like it's OK to take time. Um, I told people to go jump on your Peloton bike and like go do a ride. Um, go. For, I've, I've done meetings where I get on the phone and, um, you know, we're talking. So, you know what, let's put our headphones on. Let's go for a walk during we have mm. during this call. Um, because I know myself, I am sometimes when I'm at home, I'm in my office for eight, nine hours straight of Zooms, and that's not healthy for anybody. And so to your point, it you know, I want people to feel comfortable saying that, like, hey, I've been sitting here for five hours straight. Do you mind if we jump on the phone instead and let's go walk outside? Um, so I'm trying to within our organization make that okay. Um, but also, you know. I will also tell people like, hey, I'm going to go pick up my kids from school today or I'm walking like from eight. Most most of my team knows from kind of 745 to 815. I walk my kids to school in the morning. So I may pop on and I may be on a call, but like I'm not going to be on um, on video because I'm, I'm walking my kids to school. And so I think as a leader modeling that that's OK, and especially, I'm, you know, we're a parenting company. So <laughs> of all the companies and all the leaders that needs to model that like it's it's definitely weighs on me a lot. And we like we celebrate when people have a baby on their lap on a Zoom call or, you know, their kid might be at home and pop in. And it's just part of our culture and part of what we you know stand for. So to your point, like I have three kids, they're very involved with, you know, what I do and a big part of my life. And I don't hide it. Like I think is kind of what I, I've learned over the years. Like that's who I am. They're part of my life. And you know, make it acceptable that now, obviously they're not screaming and jumping and running around during every call, but like there's a, there's a balance, but um, you know, if they absolutely need something, I will pause what I'm doing and, you know, help them and come back to, come back to work. So. Well, we applaud you for setting that example for your organization and for Hello Bello to really be a leader in that regard for um, creating a workplace that celebrates parents and, um, and, you know, equity. In, in general. So we are going to transition now 
to our habit sharing. So each week we share one habit that we're currently prioritizing so that we can manage our energy, our stress and care for our feminine selves. And this season we're inviting our guests to, to join the fun. And we'd love to know, Erica, what's one small step? You've, you've already dropped a couple of um, little Easter eggs throughout. So what, what's one small step that you take in order to prioritize your well-being? Yeah, and I think this one's on topic, but slightly different. But um, it's something that actually I was interviewing um, one of our employees once. And at the end of the interview, I always ask people if they have questions for me. And she said, yeah, what's your rosebud thorn today? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you, you know, explain that? And so she talked to me and she said, look, you know, in our family, we've always at the end of every day, we sit down and we ask, you know, the dinner table, like, what's your rosebud thorn? So your rose is kind of what, what good happened today. Your thorn is maybe something that wasn't so great and your bud is something you're looking forward to. And so it's something I've started doing with our entire family and my kids actually have really jumped in and love it. And my nine-year-old, especially, she will kick it off most nights at dinner. But I think what it's allowed me to do is like, you know, there, there's hard days when you're running a company and, you know, sometimes separating that from what, you know, what the kids see um, is tough. And so it's, it's a great way for me to kind of express to them, hey, this was something that was really exciting for me today. And it may be work related, may not be. Um, but here's something that was really tough for me today. And we talk about it. And hey, here's what I'm looking forward to. Like, we've got a soccer tournament this week and I'm excited to go watch you guys play. Um, but it's fun to do that with the kids and myself and just really ground ourselves and kind of what is everybody thinking? What are they feeling? What are they excited about? And so it's, it's kind of a recent habit we've started in the last couple of months. And it's a really fun way, I think, at the end of the day to just kind of revisit where we've all been during the day. That's really fun. I actually just recently heard that as well, the, the rosebud and the thorn. And so I can, I can vouch for that being a really fun icebreaker for teams and also so, so great to do at home uh, and at the dinner table that, a great way to model for our families that yeah, days are sometimes really tricky, really tough. And sometimes it gets the better of us. Um, and we don't handle things necessarily always in a perfect calculated, you know, intentional way. Um, and what a great example to set for our families. I'm yeah, up next. We do do it at work too. So I will say I've, I have brought it to Hello Bella as well. So we have used it as icebreakers or, um, it's funny, I'll have team members reach out to me and just send me an email and say, here is my rosebud thorn of today. Oh, uh, great. It's much more productive than just complaining about stuff. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'm up next for my habit. So as we are entering into uh, some colder weather, I am now in the process of switching in uh, and alternating my coffee with some tea uh, to support my immune system. And also I just like, there's something about a, a warm cup of tea in, in these winter months. I know you're a little immune to it out in Manhattan Beach, Erica, but there, there are still seasons uh, along the coast. Um, but you know, I really love a ginger turmeric tea. I get mine from Trader Joe's, no sponsorship here yet uh, from Trader Joe's, but that ginger uh, and the turmeric are going to help with, you know, supporting our immune systems as they're fighting off a lot of bugs that are going around this time of year. Uh, and I also find the taste to be pleasant. Not everyone would agree with me, um, but, you know, that can really help with a nice start to the day, some warm water, a, a 
teabag to steep and then really heading into the day with some intentionality. So I'm excited uh, to mix that in with my morning beverage routine. <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic. I'm a, I'm a tea fan, so um, I, I love it. I will say for me, what I've been very intentional for my well-being and the well-being of uh, you know my family is asking for help. Um, really communicating clearly what I need, the support. And many of our audience know, and Erica, you're going to find out, like I'm a, a full-time caregiver for my dad and he's had a season, thankfully, where his health has been really stable. So now is me communicating with him and say, dad, can you help me with, you know, prepping some of the things for lunch or chopping some of the vegetables? Because a lot of um, his care is really making sure that he's eating uh, a certain specific uh, styles of food. So it's like, hey, that takes a lot of time. So dad, can you just, <laughs> you know, you're, you're feeling great, step in and asking for help. And especially for the uh, Latina community, we don't ask our dads <laughs> to go in the kitchen and cook. It's kind of like, no. So it's being very intentional because ultimately, he feels like he's doing something to help me. And I feel that it really relieves some of that pressure. So um, with that, I'm, I'm just going to have, um, I'm just going to say you are listening to an incredible episode today. We are curious um, to know what are the habits or tips that you're going to try from what we've shared today. You can leave it in the comments. And now I would love for you, Erica, to close um, this episode, sharing with us a little bit about what's going on with Hello Bello. What are some of the things that are getting you excited and the things that you've worked through? So people learn a little bit more about this incredible brand that you're leading. Yeah. So I think with Hello Bello right now, our focus is really um, evolving into more of a parenting platform and providing parents, again, these amazing high quality products at affordable prices. And I think in today's economy, that is more important than ever. And so to do that, um, one of the things we've done is we've built our, as I said, built our own diaper manufacturing plant. And so not only did we build it, we built it with 100 to run on 100% renewable energy mm -hmm. and to be a zero waste plant. So back to the sustainability piece, um, we were able to do something very cool in a very sustainable way. And we're now the only um, independent diaper manufacturer that is making our own diapers in the U.S. So we brought jobs to the U.S. We did it in a sustainable way. It's, it's all really, really exciting. Um, and then that allows us to have full control over cost and quality for our consumers. So it's one of the things right now that has been a, a year-long project in the making. Um, all the lines are up and running and producing as of a few weeks ago. And so it's been a, a big journey and I'm excited to see how that, the results there are. Um, beyond that, it's, you know, it's continuously looking at ways again to be a more sustainable company. So we just switched the plastic we use in all of our shampoo bottles to this amazing plastic called Time Plast. It's like 300% more recyclable and biodegradable and has all these really amazing qualities. And again, we're just continually looking on how we do things that are better for the environment, better for our babies, um, better for families. And so I think as you see Hello Bello grow, it's one, you know, how do we be, make ourselves continue to be more accessible to consumers? So whether it be through our subscription business or expanding our retail footprint, you know, right now we're in all Walmarts nationwide, um, or, you know, 
being more sustainable and expanding our product lines. So there's a lot of very exciting things to come down the road. Um, Kristen and Dax are huge drivers of making sure that, you know, we continue to do things better for the planet, planet, better for babies, better for families. So more to come, but we're really excited about where the future's headed and, and how we can help parents, especially, like I said, in this current economy, be able to still choose what's best for their babies. Wow, what an incredible conversation. We hope you found this to be inspiring and encouraging in your own journey. If you're feeling called to continue the conversation, reach out to us. My specialty is in helping individuals and organizations create truly effective plans for burnout prevention and manage the change to get them from point B, burnout, to point P, performance. You can learn more and find me at MiltonCC.com. My specialty is in wellness engineering. And you may ask, what the heck is a wellness engineer? Well, I hope you stop trying to fit in and connect with your most authentic self so you can have more impact, fulfillment, and enjoy each day of your life. You can learn more and find me at lettuceforest.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to catch each new episode. And while you're here, why not check out some of our past episodes as well? Until next time, be well and don't forget to take a break.